I like to say farmers, as farmers, as you know, people in the industry that, that have orchards, we're harvesting sunlight. Mm. Sunlight is the key to photosynthesis. Right. Photosynthesis is the life source of all plants. That's right. what we prune is to make sure that we can able to, in a sense, harvest the sunlight so our trees can mm. continue producing healthy, uh, beautiful fruit. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. There is a lot of effort that goes into the food that you eat. Here on Washington, a lot of that is tree fruit. We're famous for our apples and cherries, pears, peaches, it goes on from there. But there's a lot of effort and science and education that goes into training the people growing that food that we produce here in Washington. I'm Dylan Honkoop, the host of the Real Food, Real People podcast. Glad you're here with us on this episode as we visit Wenatchee Valley College and meet Francisco Sarmiento, who's a professor at the college, but grew up as a farm worker and he'll share his story as well as more about the latest technology and science that grow, goes into growing the best apples and other tree fruit in the world. Francisco. Dylan, how are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you in person. So here we are, Wenatchee Valley College. Community Val College, what's the official name? Wenatchee Valley College, Community College. It's Community College, yes. And what's the name of your program here? Because you are on faculty. Yeah, so I'm one of the faculty members here at Wenatchee Valley College, and I am part of the agriculture department here at WVC for short. <laughs> but you, and we're going to get your story later, but you've been around this world of tree fruit and wine grapes for a long time, right? Yeah, so I've, so a little bit of a brief summary is I've, I've worked in the industry for about 10 years mm -hmm. at different capacities and from involving from tree fruit, wine grapes, research, and now education now. So I'm very, I love being here at Wenatchee Valley College. I graduated from this campus and so it's good to be back, uh, back home. Well, it's a beautiful campus and I want to go in and see your lab because I know, I mean, people think about farming and growing food and orcharding and think, oh, you know, it's just hard work and it is that, but there's a lot of science to it too. Yes. And I know you guys do a lot of cool stuff in the lab here mm -hmm. uh, for your own research as well as teaching more folks who are in the world of growing this food how to do this stuff. That's so right. So maybe we go into the lab and, and check it out. You can show us what you guys do. Let's do it. So this is the lab. Yeah, the ag lab here at Wenatchee Valley College. Yeah, so we have a lot of a lot of equipment here that we can do a lot of analysis here with uh, looking for viruses or bacteria in uh, in tree samples that we that we harvest, and so we got a quite a quite a few unique tools here. So how much of that is like actual research that you guys are doing, and how much of that is training people to be able to use these kinds of tools for what it, they do, they're doing? So a lot, a lot of this equipment that we use here is a lot more for uh, teaching students. Like this is other avenues of agriculture you can go work in. So mm -hmm. we, we don't do a lot of research, mm -hmm. but we do some. But um, our main focus here is to kind of just train the students and let them know like, hey, this is another avenue you can go into and not just, you know, go work in the orchard like we mentioned before. Right. Uh, so but having this opportunity for the students here is, is very unique. This wasn't here when I was here. So I, I kind of wish I was going to yeah. school when, I was, when we had the Ag yeah. Lab so I can get exposed to this kind of equipment. How important is science and all the different stuff you guys do in a lab like this or a farm or some other lab? How, how important is all that to growing tree fruit and wine grapes? 
I think it's very important. It's very critical. That way we can be able to, you know, diagnose our trees in a sense, uh, find out what's going on with them, uh, find out their tree health, tree nutrients. What do we need to add or what do we need to fix here and there? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of this equipment, you can see a lot in wine grapes to find out pH balances and see, see what's going on in the wine too and uh, be able to uh, make it better or make it more, yeah. make it unique. So it's not just, you know, put plants, trees, whatever in the ground and let them grow. Like no. there's a lot to there's a lot to keeping it. them healthy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of science going into it. Uh, we work closely with WCU as well, too, um, but uh, they give us tours here of their labs as well, too, and so well, we have a good partnership with them as well. And you guys even do, like, DNA sequencing and stuff in here? Yeah, so we're able to test for little cherry virus and uh, leaf roll viruses as well for wine grapes, uh, and so it's been uh, it's been pretty cool to get some samples and come back here to uh, our lab here and actually do the do the hands-on and, you know, crush, crush our samples and extract the DNA and find out what's going on. So you're testing DNA, the DNA of the actual virus that's mm-hmm. potentially af- affecting a tree, yep. infecting a tree, I guess. <laughs> um, what do those kinds of viruses do to the fruit, to the crop? So I keep mentioning little cherry virus, and this mm-hmm. is one of the viruses that's pretty uh, prominent uh, here in the area and throughout the throughout our state. Mm-hmm. So little cherry virus, what it is, it's, it has it in the name. It produces little cherries. Mm-hmm. So these cherries are unmarketable, and we can't really sell those cherries. And the other thing, too, not apart from being small, uh, they don't really have too many flavor. They don't have much flavor. Mm-hmm. There's no sugar in them, so they can't really... They don't taste good. <laughs> is it bad to eat fruit from a tree with a virus, or is it just something that affects only that species, I guess? No, you can eat them so you can find out, like, okay, if I see a, if I see a weird-looking cherry, a little less, less red than a mm-hmm. traditional, like, dark, uh, dark cherry, mm-hmm. you can taste it to see the difference. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, nothing's wrong. It's going to happen if you uh, eat these cherries. So it's not now. like a virus that I could get or you can No, get. no. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a virus that it's, trees get. It's uh, plant-exclusive, so we're fine. <laughs> so how did you get into this world of growing food? What's your background in, in farming and and all that. Yeah, so my background kind of, it has a lot of farming in, it, in its background. My, yeah. my parents and uh, my mom's siblings, uh, they own an orchard. Mm. They have a little family fruit stand, uh, and that's where I started working. So ever since I was uh, about maybe you know, 15, I started working there at the fruit stand and just kind of helping out the family. Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, kind of like a, like a cashier and selling fruit. So it was, pretty, it was, it was fun. It was a good uh, starting job. So, so that was here, or where was that? Th- that was here, yeah. It's about a 20-minute drive from here uh, towards Chilean as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of started developing a sense of uh, appreciation for agriculture. Uh, but ever since when I started, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a music teacher at first. Mm. I was really involved in music. I did jazz band, band. I was a drum major, band president. Mm. So I was involved heavily in music, and I wanted to be yeah. a music teacher at first. Yeah. But I took a... a, a uh, a quarter of music theory and ear training here on campus. <laughs> you know, I, I passed my classes, but I was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's tough stuff. Yeah, and so then I I was also taking agriculture classes at the same time with that, and I just kind of like, okay, my, all my chips on that table. I pursued agriculture, and I got my two-year degree in tree fruit and horticulture from, from here, from Wenatchee Valley College. And uh, so... During my time at the college, I was also interning for Northern Fruit Company, and I also interned for AgroFresh, and mm-hmm. they're uh, more of a research. They're working with a compound called 1MCP, 
which is a 1-methylcyclopropane, which helps uh, uh, reduce the rate of respiration for the fruit. So the, when, uh, when fruit uh, ripens, it's mm-hmm. releasing uh, ethylene, and ethylene mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is a hormone that ripens fruit. Right. So one MC, what one MCP does, it, it slows that down so mm-hmm. we can have fruit for longer. And so you see one MCP in the practical use right now and more in the warehouses and, anything, and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how we're able to ship apples overseas and yeah. they still start looking good. Yeah. So is that compound safe? <laughs> yes. For, to be on apples? Like, how do you know that? And what, what should people know about it? You know, it's a, it's a, it is a safe compound. It's not harmful to us. And it's, there's been a lot of research going into it. Um, AgroFresh was one of the places where I, where I worked with it quite a bit. And so it's, it's all safe and it's not, not, not harmful or anything. It's all, it's, it's just helping us maintain our food longer and keeps us, uh, you know, we, we'll have food on the table yeah. in the long run. Yeah, I know. I saw something a while back. Someone had a Cosmic Crisp apple. <laughs> and this was like an influencer or something someone on on uh, instagram yeah. and they were scraping a layer off of like waxy stuff yeah is that what that was or what was that is that natural on the apple or they were saying oh you know we need to be really scared <laughs> you know this what are they putting on our food yeah I've what does the actual you know scientists and farmers say oh so i've seen a very similar uh post as well on instagram but you know that that little waxy material that's just a, a food-grade wax. It's mm. just to keep, uh, keep the hydration in the apple to keep it uh, juicy still for us. Mm-hmm. It's safe to eat. I mean, it's FDA approved, and it's just there to protect the fruit for, for once it gets on the, on the shelves at, at your local uh, store. Uh, the one MCP, it's a gas, and so it's not, you won't find it on, on your apple. So it's not <laughs> even like a liquid that's sprayed on. It's no, a gas that's it's a, in... So that is that in the room then, wherever apples are stored, basically. Yes. Yeah. So it's in the room in the cold storage rooms. Um, there are two different ones. There's cold controlled atmosphere and just a regular atmosphere. Regular atmosphere meaning that you know there's it's just put in a cold room and that's that that fruit that goes into that storage is the one that's going to get sold really quickly or that's it's going out the next day because it's going to ripen faster not not necessarily that it's just it's already uh, kind of like pre-sold to go to Mm -hmm. its destination to the store i see and for the controlled atmosphere it's more like okay we're going to take out uh some of the gases and we're going to you know reduce the oxygen content we're going to reduce some of the the what we what we're normally breathing, right. and we're going to drop it down really low so we can slow that process of respiration down and, and ripening as well too. So that's that's one of the cool things about you know all the science and research that's been going on is yeah. that we're able to store you know apples today and hold them for twelve months and then they're still good. <laughs> so that's awesome. That's it is very awesome. So way back to the beginning, your mm-hmm. parents were in farming. Yes. So what so, did they do? My my dad and mom were they came from Mexico and they okay. came here for a, a new beginning mm-hmm. and a second opportunity and mm-hmm. so uh, they've well I'm very happy and proud of them for what they've done and yeah. you know uh, raising me as my and my younger <laughs> brother as well <laughs> yeah but my dad uh, started out as a general laborer started mm. pruning picking you name it he did everything and over the years as uh, he got the opportunity to go to school. He took that opportunity, and mm. now I get to work with my dad. Now I'm teaching alongside him, and you know, because he's a 
teacher here too. Yeah, my dad is a teacher here. Well, we both have, we share the same name, so it's kind of difficult to <laughs> distinguish ourselves. <laughs> Senior and junior. Yeah, in a yeah. sense, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on campus, I took the nickname Frank to make it a little shorter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we both work together and we, I'm very much happy and proud to be working here with, uh, with him, so. So yeah, what was their experience like being in that world? I mean, that's hard work and I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty, especially when you're starting a journey like they did, right? Yeah, very much so. And you know, it's a, uh, uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of uncertainty in that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, it's a, uh, it's, we gotta take risks and there's no other way around it. I mean, yeah. that's the way we move along life. You know, I took a risk, you know, choosing agriculture when I started mm -hmm. making my career choices. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I don't look back. I don't regret it. So I don't. And you said your dad got the opportunity to, to go to school. How did that mm -hmm. pan out? How did he get that opportunity as someone who was a farm worker at that time? Yeah, so it's very tough and it's a very unique uh, dynamic in a sense, uh, just because not a lot of people get that opportunity to go to school. And this was more, this was earlier too, back like in the 80s, mm -hmm. 90s, um, before I was born. <laughs> yeah. So when my dad got the opportunity, you know, he, you know, he fought for it. He worked probably 10, 12 hours a day and then went to school at night to learn English for another two, three hours. Wow. Got home around nine o'clock at night and then it was back at it again within a few short hours. <laughs> so my dad worked his butt off and he instilled that, you know, work ethic in my, my, my younger brother and myself. And so it was, uh, it's very inspiring. So where did, where was he going to school? Was that right here in the valley kind of thing? You know, we're, we're standing where he went to school. Really? <laughs> yeah. awesome. So my dad, uh, learned English here at Wenatchee Valley College, and mm. then he started taking these uh, classes called the Hispanic Orchard Employee Education Program. Mm. And that's one of the classes that now I'm teaching alongside him, yeah. So well, explain that, what, what's that all about? How does that work? So uh, the Ag Department here at Wenatchee Valley College, we have a couple different programs. We have the Tree Fruit and Horticulture Program, that's a two-year AA degree here, and uh, it's a direct also, uh, direct transfer to WSU as well. So you do mm -hmm. two years here, you can go to WSU for two other years and, you're, and you got your bachelor's degree and you know, you save quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. uh, the Hispanic Orchard Employee Education Program, that's a certificate program. So it's not your regular two-year degree or anything. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a little, it's a little different per se, mm -hmm. uh, but our classes go from November through March. They're all taught all in Spanish. And so that mm -hmm. we do teach also uh, civics, uh, mm -hmm. English and math skills. And that's, uh, and that's what the, the program is in a sense. Uh, we have seven different, uh, H, I call it H-O-E-E-P for short, or HOEP. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have seven different programs. Four of them are tree fruit and horticulture based, uh, beginning and, in, and advanced agriculture, horticulture. Uh, right now we have our field-based IPM class, which is integrated pest management. And mm -hmm. we're learning about pests that can either be beneficials or the stuff that harms harms our fruit that affects our fruit yeah so we teach all our students how to identify correctly and how to what to do or more in a sense of like how to the scout how to identify and then what are the next steps after that so these are extra skills extra education for farm workers who are wanting to what get higher positions kind of thing and do more on the farm or what yeah, that's like certificates to be able to say, hey, I completed this course or this program, you know, now 
you know, hire me to be a supervisor or how, how does that work for the, the average worker? Yeah, so a lot of our, the students that we get through the HOAP is, um, they're all farm workers. 100% of them are farm workers and they'll range from, from crew bosses or general laborers all the way up until managers. Hmm. And so a lot of the students that my, well, I barely in my second year, but my dad's been doing this yeah. for about 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, so we've had about quite a, a lot of students and a lot of those students that have graduated and gone through the program have actually moved up in their positions. And some of them nowadays are managers or field, uh, field, uh, not field area managers. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these students, the cool thing is that uh, all these students that have gone through our program, they send their, their new employees or their workers that they feel mm -hmm. like they can, you know, give them an opportunity to go. Right. So that's, that's one of the cool things that we work with, uh, with the industry on that as well, too. And so... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a very unique program. So there is opportunity in that world. Again, yes. I think I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, like the misnomer of well, you just go out in the field and work. Well, there's science, <laughs> but and there is opportunity to learn more of that from more people to engage in growing food beyond just doing the hard work. Even though everybody's got to do that part too, right? Yeah, you know that hard work is always going to be there, and yep. there's no escaping it. And uh, yep. you know, thankfully, we have programs such as the H2A, and you know, the locals that also help us uh, get the fruit. Um, so yep. there's a lot of ways to uh, get that, and yeah, a lot of the people here. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. So I guess since you grew up in a farm worker family, mm -hmm. your parents were, you were, and now you work in education with a lot of farm workers. That's something that's talked about politically and in the news sometimes. You know, what's going on with farm workers? What does that community really need? Are they being treated well? These kinds of questions. What do you think people need to know about farm workers and, and what they really care about and what's important to them and what, what they need? You know, so uh, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of the farm workers, Nowadays, and most of them were with the bigger companies in a sense, they, mm -hmm. they bring a lot of H2A workers. Mm. And a lot of these H2A workers are here to, you know, get that sense of uh, what's America like and what's, mm. how, you know, what can, can I possibly move here one day? You know, because they, they get a taste of it here. They get a, they get a job, they get housing, and mm -hmm. they get transportation to and from work. Hmm. And most of the time they live on the, on the farm too. Right. So that's a very unique opportunity for uh, anybody that's in an H2A program just because they can, they come here, they make money and that money they make here, most of the time, a lot of that money ends up going back to their family that, mm -hmm. that's waiting for them in Mexico. Yeah. So it's a little, if we look at it, um, well, we think of it like H2A is they're here, just workers here that are going to, you know, do the job that we need them to do. Right. But we also got to, you know, also Think of it from their perspective. Yeah. They can't, they're coming here. They're taking that sacrifice of leaving, uh, you know, three to nine months out of the year and be away from their family. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 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 just assuming and I'm just thinking about if I, if I was in their shoes, you know, yeah. that's a little hard. And so hard. they're taking that opportunity and that risk in a sense mm -hmm. to you know make money here and then take it back to back home and you know continue continue uh, bettering their their home life. So you hear a kind of a different perspective from from farm workers because you get to talk, do H2A workers get to come into a program at all and do education? Does that even work if they're here on a visa or is that just something that's for local you know, domestic workers? You know, that's a great question. Uh, 
you know, just barely being two years into the program, so far we've only had one H-2A work, uh, student in my classes. But it is possible. It is possible, yeah. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just, they just have to, the employee has to work it out with their manager and be like, hey, I'm going to miss an entire day of work and I'm going to go take these classes. So our classes yeah. operate one day a week. We start at 8 in the morning and finish at 5 in the afternoon and we teach the, the theory, well, what we do, why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. And we also include that English and math component with civics as well. That's cool. So that's, it's a one day, one day, one day commitment. And so that yeah. way they have the rest of the week to, to work and make, awesome. earn that money. So, yeah, as I'm sure you're aware, like that H2A program has been the focus of some controversy. Some people say it's mm -hmm. not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Other people are saying this is the lifeline to keep growing food here in Washington the way that we do. What's your take on what do you hear? Because I'm sure, you know, you've had only one H2A worker come through your ed, you know, education program here, mm -hmm. but I'm sure you know and have met lots of people in that program. What's your sense from people? Are they concerned about it? Do, do they need changes? You know, are they happy with the opportunity that they get? I think 99% are very happy with that opportunity just because they can make a little more money here because the dollar here is you can live pretty comfortably in Mexico. If we from if you move from here to Mexico, right, you can live pretty comfortably with no, with not a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, having that opportunity for them to be here and help us, you know, get the fruit that we need to, I think it's one of the best programs we have. H two A is very helpful. I think it's very a unique program, very wonderful program too for mm. anybody you know looking for a chance to get a second opportunity or you know raise their uh, raise their living habits or raise their uh, way of life yeah. in a sense. So the local Hispanic community, that community is so connected in this region mm -hmm. to growing food. That's got to be a source of pride for that community. Talk a little bit about that. I think some people don't recognize, you know, that yes, there's a lot of work. It's difficult. Um, for some people, it's an opportunity like your parents to start you know, to be here with nothing and work their way up, so to yeah. speak. But it's it's part of the culture of that community here, right? What what's that like? What does what do people need to know about that community more than just the individual people, but as a collective whole, the Hispanic, the, the Latino community here in Washington that's growing food. You know, uh, being Hispanic myself and growing up with the in a Hispanic household, you know. I'm very proud of what, you know, what we've been able to accomplish here. We're, we're seeing a rise in a lot of, you know, more business women, business, businessmen of, of Latino descent mm -hmm. get into, you know, running businesses and, and everything else. You know, uh, you know, my boss as well, Yuritsi Lozano, she's, um, she's fantastic. She does a great work. She's our dean here on campus for workforce education. And she, she does tremendous work. She helps mm -hmm. us out and, you know, a lot of the, you know, from, from me personally and from my family as well, we just try to help as much as we can. Yeah. We're, we're, we just want to help as much as we can and, you know, keep, keep, you know, just keep helping. Same as everybody. We want to have a good life and live, live comfortable. What, yeah. um, what do you feel about the future of growing food here in Washington? You know, we're going to keep growing. And yeah. we're going to keep growing. We're going to have new varieties. I, I don't know if you've seen the news around, uh, but there's a new apple on, on, the, on the rise. It's Newer called, than Cosmic Crisp? Yeah. It's called, right now at the moment, it doesn't have a name. It's mm. in the trial stages. It's so called it Wa 64. 
Washington 64. That's a, a potential new Apple variety. There was really? a couple field days uh, last week at, with WSU and another place where I used to work at the Washington Tree Fruit Research Commission. Mm. Nice. And uh, so I helped a little bit too with, uh, with collecting samples of WA64 and taste, ta- taste testing them as well too. Mm. So it was a, it's, it's an interesting apple. Well, so sneak yeah. preview and yeah. doesn't even have a name yet. But <laughs> no if it name. does, what, what do we need to know? What, what's, what's it well, like? What's, I, what can we expect? So from that, I got a little handout. And uh, so this apple is a cross between Crips Pink or Pink Lady mm-hmm. with Honeycrisp. Okay. So it's a very nice, like, uh, it's a crisp apple, sweet tart, and, you mm-hmm. know, it, it tastes pretty good. Um, I remember when I was tasting it, uh, I got, it's going to sound a little weird, but I got hints of pineapple. Mm. So it's a very acidic, a little acidic, but yep. then it's got a sweet aftertaste. So it's, it's, I am looking forward to seeing what this apple will do. I like that because I, I do like a good tart apple. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the old school classic Granny Smith is a little bit much for me sometimes <laughs> to eat just by itself. So, yeah, some tartness and some sweetness to it. How much does all the science affect the flavor of what people are experiencing? You know, so it takes about 20 years to develop a new apple. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. So we just had the release of Cosmic Crisp about two or three years ago now. Yeah. Well, it was in production about 20 years ago after that, so before that. So wow. you can only imagine it's just a lot of the tri- it's a lot of trial and error finding that perfect cross and yeah. so it's you know, once we get the apple we want with the characteristics we like, you know, it's time to replicate 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 it. So this new selection, how mm-hmm. far along is it in that process? Is it like five years in, 10 years in? I would say more closer to like maybe 14, 15 okay. years. Yeah. So it may not be too long if everything can, because again, they're still like yeah. making sure this is, so there are probably a lot of like things, not just what the apple tastes like, but how it grows and how resistant to drought and disease or different things it might be. That's right. Probably all has to, again, replicate all kinds of conditions. Yeah, so a lot of the what we did is uh, there's a different selection sites. You know, it, it ranges from Tri-Cities all the way up to Okanagan. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to, you know, grow in, and grow in our state. So it's got to yeah. be able to survive the cold conditions. What's the grow? Well, how does it grow? And, you know, all this other, like, how do we prune it? How do we, what do, what do we need to do? We need to do, figure out all these things before we can, you know, release it for, you know, mass, more, more production. So... You know, figuring all those all those little details out is very critical before before we release it. So, yeah. uh, with those field days, it's just kind of like a little sneak preview, like you mentioned. Yeah. So it's a it's a great preview to like, okay, what can we expect from this apple? Yeah. Well, I think we should go out to the orchard and and check it out so you can show us some actual trees and yeah. how that all works. That sounds fun to me. Awesome. Let's do it. We'll have more of our conversation with farming educator Francisco Sarmiento in just a moment. But first, we do need to say thank you to some sponsors who make this all possible to have these conversations. First, Dairy Farmers of Washington, very supportive of this podcast from the the very beginning. And we want to encourage you to support them as well. Uh, They just had a really cool event in Whatcom County uh, called Whatcom This Way. So if you missed that, you probably 
probably want to get that on your calendar for next year. Um, it's this new growing thing, but uh, lots of other opportunities to connect with real dairy farmers, um, either in person or online and social media. If you check them out, wadairy.org uh, is the website. Wa is in W-A for Washington. Dairy, normal spelling. So all one word, wadairy.org. Check them out. And if nothing else, uh, follow them on social media as well, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, etc. And say thank you uh, to the Dairy Farmers of Washington for producing delicious, wholesome, healthy, ethically produced uh, milk and dairy products here in Washington State. Again, wadairy.org. Also, uh, Mana Insurance Group supporting the podcast. We thank them uh, for their support as well as what they do to help farms and a lot of individuals, businesses, you name it, in the world of insurance and preparing a plan to make sure people are protected, their financial future is protected. And that's what insurance is really actually about. If you think about it, it's not about picking up the pieces um, when things go wrong. Well, certainly it is that, but it's about having a plan in advance to make sure that if and when things do go wrong, because it's life and things do happen, um, that you have something to protect your future, your family, your business, your farm. They ensure all of those things um, via their partners that they work with, uh, but they can help you find the right product um, or products, uh, the right package of things to make sure you, your family, your farm, your business's uh, financial future is protected. Uh, ManaInsuranceGroup.com is their website. Check them out. And uh, now we go back to Wenatchee uh, and continue our conversation there at Wenatchee Valley College with Francisco Sarmiento. So here we are in the orchard. Yeah, we made it out. <laughs> One of the orchards that you guys work with at the college? Yeah, so we do bring our students here to do uh, to get them practical hands-on experience. We do uh, crop estimates here. Uh, the manager here, uh, Miguel, he's very helpful with, with that and uh, he shows us where to go and where we can enter. I see water dripping out of the irrigation tubes there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so drip irrigation, very efficient, yeah. cost-effective and it's very, it just is feeding water directly to the trees. Versus having like a sprinkler spraying it over the whole yeah, area, right? Yeah. As you saw on our way over here, we saw some of those sprinklers spraying overhead. Yep. I mean, you're wasting quite a little water and we saw some of the, some of the water got onto our cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, yeah, what is this orchard? Talk about what these, these trees are that we're seeing here. Yeah, so today we're, we're here with uh, McDougal and Sons and we're at Legacy Orchards and this is okay. one of their Cosmic Crisp Blocks. Okay. Uh, Miguel was just telling me a little bit about what happened this year. Uh, they had a little bit of frost and so they oh. lost a little bit of fruit. So some of the apples uh, froze over and they... How do they know that already? Because it's just from the, the blossoms of the apple that they can tell were damaged? Yeah, so... there's no actual fruit on the... Yeah. Like, I mean, it is, but it's just tiny, right? Yeah, it's still growing. And the way you can tell is you, you usually grab a flower and then you just open it up a little bit and you can mm -hmm. check the ovaries, check the check check inside. And usually if it's damaged, it'll just be completely black from the inside. 
And that's how you can tell like, okay, we're starting, we lost right. some, we lost something here. Right. So you usually take samples and, uh, you just get a rough, uh, estimate mm -hmm. of how, of a percentage of how much you lost. Mm -hmm. And so he was saying roughly that this year they were, uh, they were shooting for 80 bins to the acre, mm -hmm. but they, they only managed to get 60 or they're planning, they're estimating for 60. They 60 can bins. already tell that now. Yeah. Even though you can't actually see an apple, even though if you look up close, you probably find little tiny apples forming or what stage yeah. are these at right now? So right now they're uh, little fruitlets right now, probably about almost the size of a golf ball, getting close to it at least, okay. uh, where we're at. Uh, but usually not by now, you, they're usually finding out, they're getting pretty close to get hit, hopefully getting closer to their target that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, with these events, maybe they're going to be like, okay, we got to get what we can get and we're yeah. hopefully get everything we can. <laughs> so what is just the overview of the process of growing apples like this? Like, when does the year start? I guess in the winter, what, what, what do you do? And when do things start getting busy? What are kind of all the steps in a nutshell? So in a, so in a nutshell, let's, let's start off with the beginning of the year in January. Usually January time, there's not much going on besides pruning. And usually, mm. and when we start pruning, we're already, we're already planning for next year's harvest. So we need to renew limbs and we're already, you know, getting bud counts to find out, okay, do we have more buds for fruit or more buds for leaves? Mm. And you can usually tell the difference. One's a little more fatter than the other one, mm. but that's how so you can start to get an early estimate. And so as of, you know, the months go by, February, March, usually March is when we start, uh, start seeing late March, we'll start seeing some more activity mm -hmm. and some more movement, it buds, uh, buds swelling up. And then, you know, once they burst, it's, you know, starting to go time. So knowing whether a bud is going to just produce leaves or if it's going to produce fruit helps you kind of gauge how much fruit is going to be in a field or what, what's the purpose of getting those counts and knowing that ahead of time? So having those counts is crucial just because we can, uh, est we can find out, you know, we can predict how much fruit we'll have. Mm -hmm. If we have a lot more fruit, okay, maybe we need to be a little more aggressive in our pruning and remove mm -hmm. a little more fruiting buds. That way we don't have uh, and we don't load our trees too much mm -hmm. just because some, some varieties of apples, uh, Fuji is notorious for this. It can get into what we call a biannual bearing. Mm. So one year it will produce 80 bins to the acre. Mm -hmm. And then the next year it'll be like half for so 40 bins to the acre. Mm. And it'll just end up in that cycle. Like, okay, 80 one year, 40 the next year. And that's what we call it on and off years. So and that's a result of not thinning enough and it producing too much fruit one year. So then like the tree is tired the next year or like, how does that work? Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, that's a great question. And it's just like, uh, uh, I just explained this in my class the other day. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think it in, I'm I hear it in my head in Spanish. So I'm yeah. translating it quickly in my yeah. head. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's just a hormone dependence and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's, these buds, the trees are smart. They know, so one fruit bud for this year uh, knows that next year, okay, I did my job, I produced fruit, next year I'm gonna be a leaf. Mm. So they, the trees know what they need. And mm. so sometimes, you know, if we, if we prune too aggressive or we leave a lot of fruit on our trees, we could lose control and we lose that imbalance. Mm. And it can enter into that cycle. Like one year we'll have a lot of fruit. Okay, well that's, that's awesome. Right. But maybe next year we're not gonna have we're not gonna see as many fruit right. buds on on the tree as we did the previous year, so it's you know it's a risk. Uh, well, that's why we have all these tools that we you know we go yeah. sample, we go do our bud counts, we go 
we do all this stuff yeah there's a lot to it oh yeah <laughs> that's crazy that all of that and, and that you know so much of that ahead of time so you're already doing that and pruning so and pruning is mostly like you're explaining to thin the tree out so it doesn't have too many buds producing fruit again so there's not too much fruit on a given tree so it can support what it's producing yeah so basically the way we one of the reasons we prune is uh here's a little joke because we don't have anything else to do <laughs> <laughs> right i'm sure harvest is over yeah. right. <laughs> but no 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 in all seriousness uh we prune just because I like to say farmers, as farmers, as you know, people in the industry that, that have orchards, we're harvesting sunlight. Mm. Sunlight is the key to photosynthesis. Right. Photosynthesis is the life source of all plants. And so the having fo good photosynthesis, we're going to have good, good, healthy trees. So we prune to be able to let uh, light get in a lot easier. Uh, we've developed training systems that you can see here. We have a V trellis. Right. So, so there's the tree actually... A little, it's shaped like a V, and then yeah. light can be enter, enter, enter in the middle, mm -hmm. and on the sides as well too. So we, we have good light penetration. That's right. what we prune is to make sure that we can able to, in a sense, harvest the sunlight so our trees can mm. continue producing healthy, uh, beautiful fruit. Solar powered apple producing units, yep. aka trees. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So then, as the year goes, there's pruning. And thinning and all that yeah what happens from there so as we go there more uh you know fruit apple trees they have a they have what we call they have flowers and mm -hmm. usually these flowers will all become of an apple if we let them so usually a little more like april mayish we're spraying and mm. sometimes what we do what we call thinning mm -hmm. and so thinning is we're reducing that amount of flowers that are on the tree and that we can do that by hand or we can do it chemically by spraying some uh some uh some thinners mm. and you know we do this all pretty we follow the labels because the label is the law <laughs> for mm -hmm. our, all our products yep. that we use yep. and so you know we're, we're following the labels and we're following the recommendations we get from field men and that are helping us out in the in in our orchards and so uh we want we want to hit those targets so is that Organ is that not organic then, I'm assuming, if you're thinning that way? Or is there an organic way to spray to thin? So there is an organic way to spray. Okay. To spray. Not, not to sprint, but to spray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, most of the times there's a lot of organic products uh, that we use. And there's a lot of, uh, we just got to make sure that all the labels say that they're certified organic. Right. And we do, we have an arsenal of, of products that we use throughout the year for uh whatever need we need um but the difference with conventional which is what we just not organic right um we have a lot more tools in the conventional arsenal than compared to an organic organic we're very limited mm. uh don't have that many options but you know some of them are good uh some of them are not as effective but you know mm -hmm. they get the job done right so once we get uh closer to harvest you know that's when go time is you know mm -hmm. we got to prep all the bins we got to get our final estimates we got to find out okay who are we going to send our fruit to um yeah how many people do we need for harvest this year right. who's going to be you know all those little details have come into play uh as we get closer to harvest so during the summer that's kind of when the planning stages become start happening yeah 
so we're just you know that's and a lot of time. people do apples and cherries so then yeah. in the summertime like in july june and july cherries are happening too yeah so wow. yeah we're <laughs> just talking right now mainly for apples yeah. but if uh. we inc incorporate cherries into it man that planting stage is happening now just yep. because we're so close uh, to cherry harvest here in the area too and i'm predicting we'll start picking cherries closer to july end of june so i'm sure some of the people that have cherries are already planning okay like all right we got yeah. our bin trailers we got our bins we got our <laughs> we got our crew we got our designated crew leaders here yeah. and then it's just go time once cherries start yeah so when does apple harvest generally start? And I guess that probably depends where you are and yes. how high your field is yeah. on the side <laughs> of the mountain or whatever. Yeah, right? so elevation is also key. And, you know, it, the higher you up, the more it takes time for fruit to mature. Mm. Uh, where I used to work for Kyle Matheson Orchards, we were picking, we, I remember we picked, we started cherries about end of June and mm. we didn't get done until August. So it was a it was a long cherry season, uh, not your typical cherry season. Because the fields are staggered, yeah, at different elevations so, to ripen later. Yeah, so our cherry fields started from I can't remember the elevation, but we were at the bottom, and then we just kept moving up up the mountain. And as soon as we got to the top of the mountain, that's when we knew we're like, okay, we did, we finally finished cherries this year. <laughs> so I can get fresh Washington cherries in August. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> it didn't used to be that way, right? Because no. the fields were mostly lower. Yeah. So usually, you know, by the whole month of July, you can find all the cherries you can in the yeah. every in all areas. Um, so it's it's good stuff, though. It's good. And then picking apples. Mm -hmm. When does that usually start? Usually late August, September is mm -hmm. uh, when we start getting some of the early varieties, such as galas. Usually is when we. Uh, but we start picking first and then, you know, we go from there. A lot of the farmers, they definitely do plan ahead and they, you know, from, we work with, well with the nurseries and mm -hmm. they tell us, okay, this is the timing of when this variety is getting picked. So this is when the other variety is. Mm -hmm. So that way, when you're planning to start an orchard, you can do, okay, I'm going to plant galas here. I'm going to plant something here in the middle about, you know, uh, September, October, October timing, and then maybe something for November if you want to go that far. Hmm. Uh, a good late variety is like Pink Lady, mm. and usually those are the last ones to pick. So, and uh, you can know uh, you can face some challenges there <laughs> you because you can end up in almost in snow. Yeah. Um, what, what if it freezes? Does that just like ruin the apples that are still on the tree? Yeah. So I, when I used to work at Olson Brothers, uh, we had a freezing event in our apples, and so we had a we had to wait until they thawed out mm -hmm. just so we can start harvesting harvesting them just because if you harvest them frozen you could develop some internal disorders in the apple they can you know they can so uh in spanish you say se van a echar a perder. They'll, mm. they'll go bad pretty quick yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a that's a but, that's but a they risk. can still be good apples or do they yeah. got to be like juice apples or something yeah that'll be that'll depend on the on on the owner there what they want to do uh we we where we worked we took a risk and it paid off in the end yeah so but so i'm sure if they have to be picked for juice there's a lot less return for that yeah <laughs> versus picking for fresh market yeah definitely. for people to get in the store yeah <laughs> yeah it's a completely different world from juice to fresh so so that that gets you to november and then you start it all over again and you start over again <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of stuff to to do 
But it's what this state is famous for. Yes. Right? Washington famous apples. Yeah. You'll find them all over the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for having us out here to the orchard and yeah. to the school earlier. It was great to see the lab, to hear your whole story. Oh, thank you. And uh, no, I really appreciate it. And also your background, you know, in farming as a farm worker family and then getting, you know, doing that, being a manager and then being in education. It's, it's a cool <laughs> storyline of all the things that you've been involved with. Yeah. What's, what's your dream? You want to stay in education? You're going to have your own orchard someday? What? You know, the what? dream, the dream is to continue education. I have really found a, a love for it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm very happy from, I've loved what I'm doing now. I, mm. I could, I couldn't believe, I can't believe what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, the old saying goes, you, you won't work if you love what you do. Yeah. So I, I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. Um, I just really enjoy it and I'm very happy to be at Wenatchee Valley College. I'm thankful for all the employers I've had yeah. and I'm thank you for uh, being able to share oh, yeah. my story and thank you for coming out here to, yeah. to Wenatchee. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. 